Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Nick's Wall podcast. I am Anthony Corbo. You can give me a follow on Twitter at CorboAnthony. Joining me this week, I have my good friend, Mike Cortez. What's going on, my dude? What is up, man? Give him a follow at Cortezera on Twitter. Uh, Kyle Maggio is going to be out tonight. Uh, So it's just the two of us, but we're always here with our Blue Wire family uh check out everything they got going on over there at blue wire pods on twitter uh check out the nixwall.com check out tkw podcast on twitter at the nixwall on twitter um always a ton of good stuff going on there we got some new features coming out recently some stuff from our from uh quite a few of our writers so definitely go check out all of that stuff uh anything interesting come out from you recently mike Yes, I re on last Friday I put out the Knicks fourth quarter troubles. Um, today actually I dropped something on Masai Ujiri, which we'll touch on a little bit. But should the Knicks pay what looks to be a high price, which right now is around two first round picks, so I have that up. And then also check out Sam put something out on David Blatt. Brendan put something out, I believe, on R.J. Barrett, and Eli has. Something good on Marcus Morris and Harley also dropped something on Julius Randle. So ton of stuff to read. Yeah, lots of stuff. Probably the easiest way, either head to the Nixwall.com and just take a look through the uh the homepage and the featured section, or just head to our Twitter feed at the Nixwall, uh, as I mentioned, and everything is gonna be coming up, you know, right along there. Uh but uh kind of a good uh good way to get into the conversation here, Mike. Uh the Knicks have hired David Blatt, formerly of the Cleveland Cavaliers to be and you know a bunch of success overseas as well uh to be their new consultant uh kind of a you know new role for David Blatt who announced that he is retiring from coaching um and yeah so there's uh been quite a quite a little bit of speculation before we recorded this today over what that role is actually going to look like a uh, photo came out of him with Steve Mills and Scott Perry at Knicks practice today. Um, but this this really seemed to come out of the blue. And, uh, you know, we really haven't gotten a ton of details about it from here. So I guess, Mike, do you, do you have any idea of why the Knicks maybe made this move? Or, uh, you know, what position Blatt may be or what responsibilities Blatt may have over the next couple of weeks? All right, so for the responsibilities part, I was a little confused when this came. because This really did drop, come from the clouds. But Ian Bagley of SNY, he said basically Blatt's going to be dealing with scouting in the G League. So I'm assuming player development. I mean, he I know he was very big on Luka, so that's a positive. Maybe the Knicks will start treating Euros more highly. I know there's a couple Euros in this year's draft class. And then return of the Euro Knicks. Yeah, bring it back. And I mean, the Knicks have had pretty decent success lately with European prospects. So I think this is just doubling down on it. And Blatt's a very close friend of Steve Mills. When they were doing the head coach search, Blatt's name was heavily mentioned. They played to, he played with Mills and Craig Robinson 
the VP of player development, they all play together at Princeton. So they're buddies. And I, I think Blatt's a smart guy. I don't think Cleveland, like him getting fired in Cleveland, I think that was more of a product of LeBron wanting complete control. I agree with so I don't that. Th- I don't think, yeah, I don't think he was incompetent. So it's a smart mind. People freaking out about it. I don't really get it. The only part that would kind of temper me back is it's a Mills guy. So maybe Mills is getting more entrenched than we could have hoped. But all in well, all, I think it's just a solid one. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of where I naturally start wondering from here is like, you know, this is a Mills hire. Obviously, he's got the connections and, the, you know, the Princeton's connections and everything like that. You know, just a week ago, and it was an Ian Begley report as well, you know, where he said that it, it's very likely, it's it's more likely than not that Steve Mills will be out as president of the Knicks, uh, you know, after the season concludes. And so that's why the timing of this whole thing just kind of strikes me as a little, you know, just a little bit off. It, it, it's just, you have, you have this guy who comes in, you got this guy who's, you know, supposedly on his way out and, you know, comes in and brings a close friend of his into the organization um, at first, I mean, the speculation that went around seemed to be that Blatt is lined up for to replace Mills or Perry in one of those roles. Um, and I mean, the whole thing, and obviously we really only have that uh, last Begley report that uh, Mike just mentioned to go off of here. But it, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of fascinating. It's just a weird time for this hire. Um, you know, I, I, some people were kind of speculating that maybe they wanted to get Blatt in there to lead them through the trade deadline, which, you know, I don't really think that that's realistic, especially given that he's really just has a consultant role with the team right now, which can mean a whole number of things. But, um, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like he's going to have any real insight over roster, you know, who's going to be on the roster. He's more going to be there for development. Um, you know, and then, and then scouting and then reporting that back to the GM and the president, whoever those may be in time. Uh, but yeah, I'd be kind of curious to see if, uh, you know, what this means for Mills and uh, and Perry, whether this means that they're going to roll back this front office for a little bit longer. Uh, I'm curious to see what this might mean for, I mean, even David Blatt. I mean, I, it's kind of funny because the day that he gets hired is the day that we were all speculating as well over, you know, will he be fired by the end of the season since he's a Mills hire? Uh, it's just, I mean, the, the amount of chaos that's going on in this team's front office right now is is... I mean, I would say unprecedented, but we have a lot of chaotic regimes to look back on at this point. It's just it, it, the timing of this is all real funny. The, the I, I don't know. There's really not too much more to make of it other than what's out there. But it's uh, it's just kind of kind of interesting, kind of strange. My best guess, and this is just pure guess, Mills knows that he's he severely lacks basketball intelligence. So maybe he's bringing in a friend who is pretty smart. Like I said, he was high on Dantich. He was successful in Europe, and he he was pretty successful. I mean, albeit he was coaching LeBron James, but he was successful. So he's a smart basketball guy. Maybe he's just there to say, target this guy, target that guy. I don't like the way this guy plays. Get rid of him. You know, that type of thing. And he's a consultant, so if he does get fired at the end of the year, or let go, rather, it's not really consequential. Like, it's it'll be different if he was hired as the GM to replace Perry. Then that's, like, true chaos. But, I mean... Having a smart guy there can't hurt, especially given the lack of brain power we currently have there. Yeah, yeah, and Blatt's won, you know, plenty. He's won the Euro League. He's won an Italian League championship. Like he's got, he's got a couple of different. I mean, even in the uh, obviously some, you know, the talent level is different and everything. But he won, uh, 
you know, he won the Israeli Cup six times. You know, I I, and I don't know anything about that league or what the uh, the talent level looks like there. But I mean, this guy has been in positions of the top of whatever league he's playing in at that time. Like he's been to, he's been to the the he's you know he's been to championships. He's won championships. He's you know he's awesome. It's it's he's definitely a guy who at the very least is insightful and has an idea of you know, what it takes to build a winning team in, in different forms. So I, I think that you're probably right. I think it has a lot to do with Mills realizing that he doesn't quite have that, um, you know, that, that kind of basketball intuition. Um, and I think maybe that when they brought Scott Perry in, there was, they were kind of, uh, you know, they were kind of hoping that he would be able to instill a little bit that more of that into Mills, I would guess. But at this point, I guess they just realized they need a little bit more firepower in that respect. So, um, in any in any sense, I don't think that anyone can really look at this as a bad move. I mean, it's you know, like we're talking about, it's a guy with a good resume coming in, and this team, you know, despite what they did against the uh, against the Atlanta Hawks, this team needs as much help as it can get. So, I'm in I'm in favor. Yeah, and he's not like a radical thinker too. Just to put a bow on this, he's not like some guy that's like like Isaiah Thomas, where he came in and just like, all right, we're gonna go super big or we're gonna go super super small. Like he's just he's just like we said, smart and knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, let's uh, because I mentioned that game against the Hawks last uh, last night. That was uh, was Wednesday. That was Tuesday night. Uh, it's always funny to try to get the nights right when we're trying to record this thing. But uh, anyway, the Knicks beat the Hawks in one of their most electric victories of the season. You know, they're now seven and 21 on the year. So not a ton to choose from, but this one was a 143 to 120 win. Um, yeah, the, uh, you know, we, had, we saw some career high games from RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. RJ went off for 27 points. Mitchell had 22 and 13 rebounds. Um, we saw some like good performances out of like Julius Randle and you know Kevin Knox too. Um, you know a lot of guys who really needed to get going, and you know obviously you can put up a lot of points when you, your team scores 143 points. But um, I mean, it just seems like this team is a little bit more energized. They're for sure playing faster. They're just playing kind of a different game, and I know the Hawks don't really have any rim protection or. Uh, you know, and they're going to play at a pretty breakneck speed as well. But this just seemed like a game where the Knicks were able to find a way to gain control and they really didn't let it down. Yeah. And the most important takeaway I had from that game was Miller played everyone that was available to play. No DNP coaches decisions. And I think that was huge. No one played over 30 minutes. And Randall had a great game, like you mentioned, but he only played 23 minutes. And the reason for mm-hmm. that was Mitch was playing so well, as well as Knox. I think every young kid played well last night. And Miller noticed that, and he let them stay out there. I don't think Fisdale was doing that enough. No, like, I, I agree with that Way entirely. too many, like with Knox, like he just DMP'd him for no reason. It's like, what the hell's going on here? He started Trier out of nowhere, then he put Trier in the doghouse. And Trier missed the game with a concussion, so that's why he didn't play. But mm-hmm. like I said, everyone was allowed to play. And it just felt more like they just everyone just felt free versus yeah. where Fisdale was supposed to be like that. But I felt like he was kind of almost doing the opposite where everyone's on eggshells unless you were a veteran. Yeah, I think I, I, I would certainly say that last point about people seeming like they were walking on eggshells is pretty valid. It, it just it seemed like the team didn't have any idea of what direction Fisdale wanted to head in and, you know, what he would do on a night to night basis. And 
when you have that going on, I mean, how are you supposed to build any kind of consistency or confidence in your play or your teammates play? You know, it seems like recently we've been seeing, you know, some chemistry develop against uh, between a couple of guys. I mean, like RJ Barrett and Julius Randle last night looked like good together. They were, you know, they were, there were stretches there where they were throwing lobs to each other. They were just kind of like very aware of where each other was on the court. And then, you know, you had a good looking connection between Alfred Payton and uh, Mitchell Robinson for a minute there. And I thought it was pretty, you know, it, I mean, Neil Keene, hit that three to start the game off and then he didn't hit anything else throughout the rest of it. But, you know, you played him 18 minutes, you played Dennis Smith 13, you played Payton 20. That's a good, like, when you have three guys who are not consistent enough for any one of them to really step out and establish himself as, you know, the lead guard in that role, I mean, you have, that's not a bad way to do it when you're going to do it by platoon like that. I mean, it seemed like with a little bit less minutes and, you know, just a little bit more up and down play, it really seemed to unlock a lot of things for this team. Yeah, and for the guard rotation... Elf and Frank, I believe they've separated themselves that they should play every night. Dennis is the one where you got to like see what kind of Dennis you're getting. Yes. But like Miller immediately, like he inserted him early in the game, saw he was vibing, kept him out there, and he ended up having a really good game. He had a nice block on Trey Young and also assisted to RJ Barrett. And Mitch is another one. I don't know if it's just a perfect storm of the players meeting, Marcus Morris called, Mike Miller becoming the coach. But Mitch just—he just looks smarter on the court. Like he's not fouling as much. And last night he was setting good picks. He even got a sick breakaway steal, a uh, steal to the breakaway dunk, and he almost mm. had two of those. Yeah, that was great. He just oh, looks that like, was awesome. Yeah, and he's on the court like twenty. What did he play? Twenty nine minutes. That's yep. Mitch should always play in that 30, 30 minute range. He's the best defensive player they have. Hundred percent. Just just seeing him out there is just really good to see. And yeah. and I don't even. I don't even mind Gibson starting over him so much because like no, the way really. that the way that Miller's handling that is is like pretty much perfect. Like he plays Taj those 19 minutes to get him into the game. You know, he I mean he played 19 compared to Mitchell Robinson's 29 the other day. Like he gets him in there early, kind of get make sure he's kind of that solidifying factor that makes sure the the starting lineup is kind of grooving the way it needs to. And then once you have that coming in, you get Robinson in there and like he's obviously cleaning up against second units as well. Um, and it, it just, I, I think that what's been good about, even if Neil Keen is like not performing quite, you know, he didn't have a great game last night. He was a little bit quiet. Um, I like that Miller is trying to stick to a rotation now at this point. He's, yeah. he's not overreacting to one game samples or two game samples or whatever. He's like, you know, obviously he played everybody last night, which is awesome, but you know, he knows who he's going to have out there in, in long, you know, for long stretches. He knows who he wants to go to at certain times. It just, it seems like he was able to pick up on that pretty quickly uh, when it seems like it took, I mean, I don't really even in both of Fisdale's years or his year plus, like remember a time where he was able to like have a rotation stick with it for a good period of time. No, it felt like Fisdale was always doing constant trial and error and, at a, like the first year, okay, because it was a clear tank job. But to start this year, it was kind of the same old shit where it was you never know who was starting on a given night, what was going on. Like starting Kevin Knox at shooting guard is just asinine. He started Trier opening night when he had Alfred Payton there. And Alfred Payton's another one. I mean, since he's come back, he's just been a complete like godsend to this team. He's just yeah. setting, setting the table. 
he has he seems to have chemistry with everybody. He just knows how to control the game. And this is coming from somebody who hated him. Hated the I mean, he, he looked good before his injury, too. And yeah, I mean, yeah. him, him bringing it back, like I've been more than impressed with Alfred Payton. And yeah, I, I, I think that he's playing a really uh, important role for this team right now. Yeah. And he's just it's but it, I think it's beyond Payton because Fisdale is still losing games when Payton was there. Yeah, I, I think that there's, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it can be attributed to, like, just Miller's, like, smarts as a coach, I think, just kind of his experience being able to do that, like, calling times timeouts at the right time, uh, you know, making sure that teams don't go on leads against them, like, stopping the bleeding. He's treating, I feel like Fizdale treated this team like a, like a, you know, like kind of a, a breeding ground for whatever these players are going to be in the future. Uh, and kind of like was kind of trying to develop them as young players, which is fine. And that's an approach to try to do it with. I just don't think he had the right approach for it. He was kind of like doing a bit of a tough love kind of thing, trying them out at different spots to see how they would react and everything like that. And obviously that's not going to amount to, uh, to winning or consistency. And I, I think that's kind of counterintuitive to development. I like where, what Miller's doing right now, where he's just like, he just seems like he's, he's legit trying to win every game. He's trying to stick with what works. And uh, to me, that just seems like the best way to develop these players, like let them get the experience that they need winning games and being, you know, com- at least competing on a high level, at least feeling like they have a chance to be in it and that they're going to be playing in the game. Um, you know, that to me, that just seems like the better way to get these guys on the same page and, and show some kind of progress here rather than Fizdale's just kind of like doghouse method. And I, I don't think that all the blame has to go directly on to Fizdale from, you know, the Knicks playing well over this 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 past stretch. Um, because obviously, like we're saying, there's a lot of factors that came together here. Alfred Payton coming back, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Marcus Morris coming back into the lineup for a little while. Like, obviously, they all got jolted by... I think the changeover and whatever new, you know, whatever kind of new rotations that Miller's trying to run, whatever kind of, you know, new vibes he's trying to bring to the team, whatever kind of new pacing he's trying to bring in there. Um, but I, I, but yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that, that contribute to it, but Fizdale really, when you take a look at it is probably the most damning factor of, of the lat, the, you know, early beginning of the season. Yeah, I think you hit on all the points, and the main point is that consistency where Fisdale just wasn't there. Miller has come in, and he hasn't radically changed the rotation when he easily could have. He could have just said, Randall, you're done. Put Mitch in. He's kept Randall, and he's slowly separated Randall and Mitch nicely, where Mitch will play a lot. Like, I've never seen Mitch play more with Morris than with Miller right now. And he's starting to separate it where he's putting Mitch with Portis, and he's putting uh, Morris out there. R.J. Barrett's still remaining a focal point. So he's not going one way or the other. He's keeping what Fisdale kind of laid the ground with, which wasn't terrible because even when Fisdale was there, they were still in games, mm-hmm. but they would never come back. Like the Sacramento game. Totally, yeah. They come back in, under Fisdale maybe, but they don't win. Like they'll find some way to screw it up. But here it's whether it's just basic stuff like staying home on defense and not giving up mm-hmm. 18,000 open threes. Because, I mean, like Fisdale was his whole – defense was like we're going to protect the paint and we're going to allow open threes that's just stupid so it's it's just i like the temperament of this team right now 
Yeah, I do too. It just it just seems like a, a change in leadership really did them, uh, you know, very well. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, I think from here, like, really, that's kind of the, been the big news of the week. Like, the uh, you know, everyone's kind of playing well. It, it's you know, last night was a big win. We were all kind of celebrating it, and now it's just kind of like looking ahead to what's coming up. I mean, they got the Heat on Friday, which is gonna be a tough game. Um, followed by the Bucks on Saturday. So, I mean, the I, this weekend's going to be tough for this team. How do you think they fare in, in either one of those games? I don't know because I thought they were going to get blown out by the Nuggets, but they came back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think with the Heat, if they can carry this momentum on a little bit, like, there is certainly... If they show uh, up on defense, they could beat the Heat. Like, the Heat yeah. are very good, very good. Like, I'm not yeah. trying to undermine the Heat at all, but... If they just play good defense and they continue to stay hot, I mean, they're also on a hot streak shooting, which is helping. Mm-hmm. So if they can just do that, play good on defense, they have a chance. Yeah, I mean, that was really a big difference maker last night, too, just how well they were able to shoot the ball. I mean, you had the only guy who could hit anything for uh, you know Atlanta was, was Trey Young and Vince Carter. Uh, but like, you know, the Knicks, you had Marcus Morris. I mean, he's been shooting lights out on three pointers uh, all year long. I didn't did Breen say at one point he's like in the top four in three point shooting in the league. I believe he's second. He was first and then George Hill surpassed him. I believe he's definitely he has to be in the top four because he's yeah. still he's still shooting. Well, that's another thing Miller's done. He's kept Morris as the focal point as well as Randall to an extent. But he's also made sure to like like Randall's not the top of the key. Morris is moving down a little more versus where he was before just lingering by the three-point line yeah it's really and and, you know uh to get back to the schedule in just a second but like it's really been those little things that seem to be unlocking everybody's game it's just changing the spacing up a little bit like i mean julia we there were we had not seen julius randall play like he played last night all season long i mean if you throw away the Blazers game. This is Julius Randle over his last four games. 21.8 points, 10.5 rebounds, 47% from the field, 36% from three. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, that's the guy everyone thought they were getting. Like, you know, there's been everybody, I mean, pretty much everybody, it seems like, that I know who associates himself with the Knicks, like, is out on, is far out on Randle already. Like, looking for ways to move him, looking for ways to get rid of that contract. Um, I, you know, if he keeps on playing like this, I, I'm very happy with having a Julius Randle like that on my team. I think that's, that's definitely worth the money. I think that, uh, you know, I, I, he just needs to show that he can keep this consistency going. And if it's really just a matter of spacing and scheme, like then you at the very least know that you can adapt for that moving forward. Yeah. I think they should not play off RJ, but like RJ's career night was basically, he was playing off the ball. Most of it, like there were very few highlights where it was him going one-on-one with somebody if any i think there was maybe one shot that was an isolation mm-hmm. a lot of them were catching shoots he beat cam reddish on a nice backdoor cut yeah it's just that's where rj has to play right now maybe down the road he becomes an iso monster i i don't see it personally but right now he has to play off the ball and the thing with fisdale fisdale said randall was going to be a point forward but in reality randall was just getting the ball and spinning like pr- continuously pressing the spin yeah, button, totally going to the rim so yeah, there are too many guys just that were trying to be molded into something they're not. I think Miller is just trying to let these guys be them. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, but that was a little divergence from the schedule. Uh, Milwaukee the day after that. It, I mean, yeah, it didn't go great last time. No, I don't. I mean, Milwaukee's just amazing. So if they stay in it, cool. If not, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Wizards on Monday. Um, you know, definitely Wizards have uh, had, a, I think it played a little bit better than everyone expected, but. Um, they score a lot. Like it's going to be a yeah. very high scoring game. Which could be, an, I mean, but that's, I think, where the Knicks should be thriving right now. I mean, we saw this game last night. I mean, that was. When, I mean, I think they scored somewhere in the 140s earlier this season, too. But, like, for this team to score that many points is, you know, pretty extraordinary given their lack of shooting. Oh, no, they so, haven't 140s. I think it was 39 years since they've gotten there. Oh, since From before that, last night? Yeah. it was. Oh, I thought they had one earlier in the season. No, I think they were in the 120s, I believe. 140. Oh, okay. I was shocked, too, when they said it. They said 39 years, and then... I, think it was since 2011 that they scored they scored 77 in the first half mm-hmm. so that was the first time since 2011 so yeah but i mean like if, if they're playing fast if they're getting a lot of shots off if that game has a bunch of possessions like that should be where the knicks are able to execute the best like oh 100 yeah if they can keep moving if these guys the biggest problem they fall into is when they get stuck in the half court and then everyone's just kind of over dribbling and not knowing where they need to go and then you see too many of the julius randall you know fadeaways when he's got two defenders on him yeah, and the big uh, thing to look for is when that's not working, when it is working, rather, let it go. Like in the Nuggets game, Morris's ISO game was working, so you let that go. Right. But when it's not, start sp- passing that ball around. Right, and Morris is the kind of player who has that recognition of, of when he needs to do that. Like that's one of his biggest assets, just his basketball IQ. It, and along with his three-point shooting, it's what's making him such a valuable addition this year. Um, Yeah, but... Hopefully they can keep this three-point shooting going over the next couple of days and, you know, not come back down to earth too far. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that just the shooting, the pace, and, you know, the, the spacing and just being able to keep up, like, kind of a, a, a more to come a defense out there. And I think we are... I think they're they're looking good at least for... They're at least going to stand a chance against the Heat and they should be looking good against the Wizards. Yeah, those are the two games I'm most intrigued by. Because, like I said, the Bucks are just leaps and bounds better than them but the heat are a good team that can be beat and the wizards are a team i think that's on the next level roster wise as long as you defend the three in the wizards game i think should be a winnable game for sure yeah mike do you have anything that you wanted to plug before we get out of here today uh just check out our merch i know christmas is right around the corner uh we still have i believe the two christmas sweaters mm-hmm. uh saint neil Aquina and um Mary Mitchmas, those are really good. I believe the Port Lanthony's are gone, so RIP. But uh, also check out the nixwall.com, all the features coming out. I think we're just going to keep on plowing until Christmas and as always follow the podcast and yeah. Yep. Uh yeah, head to uh head to our Twitter too. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and on YouTube, everything good like that. Um. Yeah. Check out everything else that's going on over on Blue Wire. Got a lot of good podcasts on there. If you're a fan of another team uh, in the NBA, NFL, uh, I think we even have a couple of other sports hopping onto the network too recently. But uh, keep up with everything going on there. There's probably something that you're going to enjoy uh, other than us out there for you. And yeah, making sure I'm not missing anything. But I think we're good to go. Oh, and shout uh, out our fans of Singapore. 
that was dope yeah yeah we uh <laughs> we took a look at our spotify rap today and uh apparently our podcast reaches 31 countries including singapore so shout out to all of you foreign listeners who are tuning in we really really genuinely appreciate that um, I, I gotta check the stats again. I wonder how many uh, Latvian listeners we still have. We, <laughs> Probably dropped we, off. Yeah, for for a long time there, Latvia was like our third most listened to country. <laughs> uh, we don't slander them enough though, so they might no. they might still stay. They might still stick around. Yeah, maybe they're pissed at Kristaps too. We'll see. Um, anyway, that's gonna do it for us over here this week uh we will be back with hopefully some good news about this team uh in a week talk to you all then Three, two, three, two, three.